Laverta Sorel was a 44-year-old from Navajo, New Mexico. She was the mother of three and loved sports. On July 4th, 2002, Laverta and her husband celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary in Gallup, New Mexico. He claims he then dropped Laverta off at her work. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound. Unfound has covered the disappearances of indigenous peoples over the last five years. Probably the best known one for the United States is Austin Pivo. His three killers will be sent to jail soon. In Canada, we covered the disappearances of Bonnie Joseph and Mackie Basil. Unfortunately, those cases are still unsolved. So we are not strangers to the missing persons problem faced in these cultures and communities. But if you'd like some statistics, here they are. Murder is the third leading cause of death for indigenous women. More than half indigenous women have been physically abused by their intimate partners. Indigenous women are two times more likely to be raped than Anglo-American white women. The murder rate of indigenous women is three times higher than Anglo-American women. The big question, why are these numbers what they are? Then what can be done about them? I will try my best to analyze this problem at the end. I'm bringing this all up because today Unfound covers the disappearance of Laverta Sorrell, a Native American woman. She was out for her wedding anniversary. Then she was gone. And we the public, regarding a lack of resolution to Laverta's case and the trend in these statistics, we must stand in defiance. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Laverta Sorrell was one of ten children. Yes, ten. She loved sports, and in fact, Laverta was the person in her family who would put together betting squares and pick'ems for events like the Super Bowl. No surprise, she was a very social person. Laverta got her education and got married, and had three children of her own in the 1990s. Things were good for a while, but then that changed. Her husband lost his job and didn't show much initiative in finding another one. And in the year of her disappearance, Laverta had spoken of getting a divorce. So, on July 4th, 2002, Laverta had seemingly made plans to meet a friend. Instead, she stood up that friend to go out to an anniversary dinner 
with her husband, Edison. They dined in Gallup, New Mexico. They then stopped at a fairgrounds where Edison told their oldest daughter to be home at curfew. Allegedly, Laverta then requested to be dropped off at her work. Edison did as she asked. She was never seen again. When all the children got up the next day, July 5th, Edison told them their mother had deserted them. Although the concern for this episode is the disappearances of indigenous people, primarily women, this case plays out like many others we've had on Unfound, where a husband tells a story that doesn't seem to make any sense. The problem? That doesn't mean it isn't true. The job for you, the audience, is to try to find the truth while thinking about these three questions. Number one, if Edison harmed Laverta, why is the I dropped her off at work story the best he could concoct? Number two, is there another unseen story behind the fact that Laverta stood up her friend Eugenia on July 4th, 2002? And number three, how does Laverta having an affair figure into this disappearance? Could the other man be the culprit? Laverta's family has no doubt foul play is the primary cause of her disappearance. The guest for this episode is Laverta's sister, Valina Guy. Unfound news. As I continue to say, I never check Unfound's numbers. However, the past week, I decided to do so given that this podcast was featured on Amazon recently. The results, we had three times as many downloads over the past week as we did this time last year. That is crazy. Thank you, Amazon, and a huge welcome to all the new listeners. Next The newsletter is now in audio form on the website, theunfoundpodcast.com. That's for all of you who aren't on the email list. Come on, get on the list. Then you get to know what's in the newsletter like 10 days early. Finally, I had a horrible tooth thing going on this week. Luckily, no teeth were harmed during the making of this podcast but my gum is still sore. The issue? Grinding my teeth at night. Why? I have no idea. Because I should be the last person to grind his teeth about anything. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on... Man, this list is getting long... Audible, Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Deezer, and YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us for the Unfound Live Show. All of you can talk with me, and I can answer your questions. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. You can also contribute at PayPal, paypal.me forward slash unfoundpodcast. I also need to give a huge shout out to all the people who have monetarily contributed using Super Chat during the live show on Wednesday nights. 
Thank you for watching, and thank you for donating. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. Merchandise, the books at amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Do not forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com or you can track down my assistant, Heather, in the Facebook group. Playing cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Laverta Sorrell, Valina Guy. Valina, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this interview with me. You're very welcome. Happy to do it. Let's uh, start here as we usually do. Um, let's just talk about your family uh, in, in general. Um, you are Laverta's sister. Older sister, younger sister, do you have any other siblings? And what was it like, uh, all of you uh, growing up wherever you uh, did grow up? Um, well, I am Native American, so we grew up on the Navajo Reservation in Arizona. Mm. I come from a big family. I have a family originally of 10, wow. and I would have been the younger sister, or am the younger sister of Laverta. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I have, um, yeah, I have a lot of um, older siblings. Laverta mm -hmm. would have probably been one of the middle older siblings in my family if she had been around today. Uh huh. Wow. So uh, you say when you say a family of ten, do you mean ten siblings, or is that ten including your parents, or how does that work out? No, it's a it's a, a family of ten family without ten. my parents. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, and you are one of the, I guess you're one of the youngest, like one of the babies? I am. I'm one of the youngest. Uh -huh. um, Laverta was 10 years older than, oh, than I am. Okay. Yeah. All right, and you said she was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Okay, uh, I would never make you go through all the ages and everything. How many boys <laughs> and, and how many girls? We have um, five brothers. I had five brothers, mm -hmm. and then me being one of the fifth girls in the family, so it was mm -hmm. even the... Evenly split. Wow, what are the odds of that? That's that's yeah. neat. Five uh, boys, five girls. Well, that is interesting. And growing up on the Navajo reservation uh, in in Arizona, or yes, in Arizona. Okay, mm -hmm. great. So that is a big family. And uh, what is the spread? Uh, age spread from oldest to youngest. Um, I want to say my oldest um, brother passed away, so he was probably getting into maybe like late 70s when he passed. Mm -hmm. And so then in between, if you count down, there's probably like two, maybe even three years apart in, mm -hmm. as we come down from the oldest to the youngest. Wow. So yeah. you would have been maybe 25 years younger than he yeah. is, something like that. Yeah. That is, wow. I have that kind of in my family. I have a sister that's about uh, 20 years older than me, but... That sounds like uh, your uh, span is even larger than that. That is interesting yeah. to me. Okay. Uh, I do have to admit that uh, uh, Laverta with her name, Valina with your name, uh, unique names. Uh, everybody in your family have unique names like that? Or is that something just with your family or something in the Navajo culture? What is, what is that? 
Yeah, I think um, I I have heard like my name is pretty unique. I mm-hmm. rarely run into other people that with my name, but with Laverta's name, I want to say that I've met and have um, heard the name before. So, mm-hmm. and then my brothers and siblings like Alfonso and Elmer, um, mm-hmm. kind of original, but I mean they're not yeah. so uncommon. Okay, that was yeah. just uh, your parents' tastes, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think most of our middle names are like coming from grandparents or grandmothers on both sides of my parents' family. So okay, yeah, I, I you were certainly the first uh, Valina on Unfound after two hundred and fifty some uh, interviews. So you saying that's <laughs> unique? You're right. Um, yeah, you're the first Valina that I've known, and I haven't known any Lavertas either. So her be- her name being that is unique to me as well. That's all very interesting to me. Thank you. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, Laverta. Just, uh, uh, of course, she's the one who's missing, so let's uh, just talk about her now. You said she was about 10 years older than you. Um, given that, uh, were you close? Um, you know, what kind of big sister was she? How would you explain that? Yeah, we were um, extremely close. Um, when I do interviews, I always talk about her in the sense that she just wasn't my older sister, but she was more than that. She was my best friend. Um, mm-hmm. She yeah. was like a mother to yeah. me at times. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. That always yeah. happens when yeah. I get to this part when I have That's to okay. talk you, about you her specifically. You, but you, you don't have to apologize. Um, I understand. But yes. So she was like a mother to me. She um, stepped in when my mother couldn't take mm-hmm. care of me. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, she performed all the sister roles, you know, that yeah. that sisters have, taking care of one another, doing things together. We raised our families together as well. Her um, children were probably about the same age as my kids were because I started having kids pretty young. Mm-hmm. And so um, we had that relationship in terms of raising our children together as well Mm -hmm. oddly as that sounds even though you know she was older than me Um, but we did do a lot of things together we um, used to call one another um, pretty much every day Um, we spent a lot of time with my parents she was the one that um, really responded to my parents and took care of my parents as that they Mm -hmm. were getting older so she was the person that my parents wanted to, I guess, you know, be, the, you know, every family probably has this where they have someone that they assume is going to take over all the roles of the family right. once they go. Right. And she was that person in our family. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Always looking out for everybody yeah. else and just motherly. She had, mm. that was her biggest quality was that she was a mother to, mm-hmm. to everyone in our family, pretty much. And I think that makes sense, being that, uh, at least for you, being that you were 10 years younger. So she's 15, you're 5, she's 20, you're 10. And uh-huh. yeah, I, I can see, you know, uh, you know a, a motherly role there, even though she was only 10 years older. But, you know, she would be an adult and you would not even be a teenager yet. So I, yeah. I, I can see that. But it's also interesting to me that you said that you were best friends, too. And... Um, you know, that might be a little contrast to maybe other siblings that have that big of a age difference that, 
you know, the older siblings going off and, you know, with their 20-year-old friends and, of course, the 10-year-old's still at home. But So it's interesting yeah. to me that you talk about uh, how you two were best friends and, of course, you uh, became mothers very close together when you both, you know, were adults. Um, what was she into? What were some of her interests and hobbies? What, what do you remember about those things? What did she take an interest in? Yeah, she, um, my sister was really social. Um, the position that she worked in within the school district that she worked in, she, again, was that very responsible person. Mm -hmm. And so she was kind of held in that position where she would like be responsible for most of the social events and the gatherings that happened within the school district. Mm -hmm. So she was always like bringing people together. Um, in our home, she would be the one that would hold all those Christmas parties, birthday events, mm -hmm. plan the family dinners. So we, everyone was always at her home celebrating a birthday, um, a holiday, um, Mm -hmm. it, she used to do a lot of like um back then they were called pools you know where they would like um place bets on yeah, games sure. the outcome, outcome of games uh -huh. um those kinds of things she did a lot of neat. those type of activities yeah um neat yeah okay so parties at laverta's house <laughs> and <laughs> yeah and uh um what, uh, maybe this uh, certainly will probably be important later, but we can talk about it right now. So when you two both became adults, like you said, uh, you're both mothers, becoming mothers right around the same time. Did you live close to each other? Uh, did all the family kind of stay in the same area of, uh, whether it was Arizona, New Mexico, wherever? Um, did you yeah. all stay together all close or kind of spread out? No, we all um, kind of lived in the same area. I think probably an hour sometimes two hours apart from one another, all of us. Um, I think the furthest that we had a brother move was probably like a six-hour drive from where the rest of the family was. But most mm -hmm. of us kind of all lived in that area. So mm -hmm. everyone was within a good driving distance if we needed to get together for for mm -hmm. events. Um, mm -hmm. Us being Native American, we did a lot of... Um, cultural activities as yeah, well sure. there were things that brought my family together and um those kinds of things kept us yeah. binded as a family as well so we were all very close um mm -hmm. whenever we got together with my parents at their homes like I said she was the person that my parents kind of held in charge of when it came to making decisions and plans like that for our family so, like, seasonally, we would do, like, planting in our in our fields. And so yeah. she would be the one that would, would plan all that out. And then we would all come together and do that with her or my parents. Mm -hmm. So we, we all stayed in the area. Okay. So is this in the Fort Defiance, Arizona area? Is that the area yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. She lived okay. in Navajo, New Mexico, which is an hour from where my parents lived. And they lived in Chile, Arizona. And then... The rest of us lived in that Fort Defiance Winter Rock area at the time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you said that she worked in, in a school district. Uh, what kind of job did she have? And uh, did she have a uh, higher education? Did she go to college? Yeah, my sister did. Um, she attended college probably a couple of years out of high school. She did do mm -hmm. odd jobs in the area. I didn't leave um, my parents for maybe the first 
two or three years after she finished high school mm -hmm. and then eventually moved to Mesa, Arizona, where she did do two mm -hmm. years and received an associate's degree. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't tell you what it was for. It might have just been general studies. And then okay. she moved home to um, continue to take care of my parents. Mm -hmm. And then um, she started building her life, started working for the school district. She became mm -hmm. the um, assistant to the personnel director in the school mm -hmm. district and held that job um, up until the time she disappeared. Mm -hmm. So she was the assistant and did all the the duties yeah. of someone in re human resources. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. All right. All right. So she got, uh, had two year degree, moved back Mesa, Arizona. I, I'm familiar with that area. I've been to that area. Uh, yeah. When I lived uh, in Las Vegas, I'd have to get down there for work. Um, so then she moves back to the area. She's involved uh, in education in a school district. And how often would you uh, say you saw her, you know, and, as adults. Yeah, so um, a couple of years before, school districts are like the places of employment for a lot of us when we mm. get done with college. So her and myself worked in the same district. I was actually mm. the speech therapist in that district for quite a while before I left and started doing private practice. And so um, I talked to my sister every day because we worked mm -hmm. in the same school district. We yeah. knew the same people. And then when I left that job and started my own, I continued to keep in touch with her on a daily basis because we just had grown so accustomed to yeah. talking every day. And so it, I guess it was more like a, a check-in, I want to say, because it was like really mm -hmm. short bursts of conversation, like, hey, <laughs> how are you doing? What you do today? What are you going to do this weekend? And are we still on for what we planned, like going to see my parents, um, those kinds of things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that happened regularly. Okay. Yeah. Now, you'd already mentioned, of course, uh, that she has children. So let's just talk about uh, that a little bit. Um, uh, how did she meet uh, her husband? Of course, he's going to be a topic of conversation quite a bit uh, here uh, soon. But how did she meet? Edison, uh, where did they meet? Um, what can you talk a little bit about that? What can you say? Yeah, so um, being that my sister was the social butterfly that she was, she used to have a lot of different friends, a lot of different groups that you know she um, hung out with, and so my I this is just what how I know she came to be with him was that mm -hmm. they used to um, party together. They had mm -hmm. a group of friends that they used to go and um, mm -hmm. back on, on the reservation, they had a lot of like, like dances from the local bands. Okay. And so she would go participate and those like go attend those. And so um, that's where she met Edison. Mm -hmm. And then um, at the time, I believe he was just coming out of a divorce from a first marriage for him. And so then they started uh, dating in that way. And she worked in Windorock and lived in Windorock, and he lived in Navajo, New Mexico at the time. And so that's about a 30-minute distance from one mm -hmm. another. And so that's how they started um, mm -hmm. dating and, and seeing one another. Okay. What year, just approximately, what year do you think this was? 
that they started uh, dating and maybe you remember specifically the year they got married? When do you think this started? Um, oh my goodness. I'm going to say it was probably around 1985, 86 wow. maybe, because it was right around the time that I was graduating high school. Okay. That I remember hearing about him. Okay. And so that's how they met, and uh, they got married maybe 87, maybe? No, what, yeah, uh, maybe a little bit later than that, maybe, mm -hmm. like, in, like 88, maybe. I, I, okay. I can't be certain on the, on the year. Okay, because I think I, I had in my notes somewhere that she disappeared right on her 15th wedding anniversary, and so yeah. that would be 2002, okay. so maybe, is the, maybe that what you told me? I had that yeah, in my notes. I, I believe you're right. Okay. So maybe 1987 is when um, she got married, being that she went missing in 2002. So approximately uh, 15 years of marriage. And how many kids mm -hmm. did they end up having? She um, had three children, mm -hmm. two boys and a daughter. And then he had a previous, from his previous marriage, he had a son who was the oldest in that family. Mm -hmm. Okay. And did the son live with them, or did the son live with the uh, the mother from the first marriage? He, he lived with them. He lived with Laverta? Yes. Okay. All right, so it's Edison, Laverta, and his son from a prior marriage, and then their three kids they had together. Yeah. Okay. And um, how, did, how were things? Uh, let's just move on to that. So they get married in 1987. What's uh, Edison do, uh, doing for work at the time? And, you know, what can you talk about how things uh, went into the 90s? Of course, they had the children, I guess, during that time. How, um, you know, what was his work? What was he doing? So at the time that they um, got together, he was in the town where they lived in Navajo. There used to be a wood mill. And so he was one of those truckers that would bring the, the wood to the plant and then um, they would process the, the wood. I, I, I don't know, mm -hmm. but it was a big plant that that was there. And that was the, that was the, I guess the, the focal point of that town. It was a mill town. Okay. Um, so that's what he was doing. He was making really good money at the time. And so, um, she ended up buying a home and put her home in that area. It was a mobile home. Mm -hmm. So there was like a huge mobile home park. And so she put her home there and um, continued to work for the school district. And they were fine. Um, mm -hmm. They were, they, like I said, no one would have, you know, ever thought anything because we were forever at their homes on weekends. Mm -hmm. She opened up her home to not just our family, but his family as well. And mm -hmm. and he came from a big family just like ours. And so um, I'm sure that that was something that they had in common. In addition to my older brother was also married to Edison's older sister. So we were married twice into that family with Laverta mm -hmm. and my older brother. So, um, of course, when we all got together, you know, everything was very festive. Um, our kids were very tiny at the time, and so they spent a lot of time, you know, playing together, um, just doing all kinds of things together. Okay. Um, so times were really good. Um, they got along very well. 
we used to travel like they they traveled quite a bit back and forth um to different areas she became a really avid basketball fan and a big fan of like the university of arizona's basketball team mm -hmm. yeah. so they would travel to like the sweet 16 tournaments Neat. um yeah and i even remember a time that she went to i want to say it was like hawaii when the U of A wow. was in the Sweet 16 playoffs. So she was just a big fan of the basketball team at that time. And so was Edison. Um, I, I don't know if he was mm -hmm. that. Well, I, we, I would, we, we the, always, I'm just wondering if they went together or was it just. They did. Okay. They did. Um, but it, if you knew my sister, uh -huh. she was the one that was forever doing these. Uh -huh. um, polls. She was forever the one putting yeah. together these um, rosters and just wow. different things about the basketball team. Um, my son started playing um, high school basketball, and she would always say, "You know, we've got to go to his, every one of his games. We're going to go watch him play all the time." You know, and uh -huh. um, yeah, she was just okay. that person that was really into sports. Okay, that's that's interesting. Okay, uh, she was your family's bookie. <laughs> yeah okay yeah, that, okay that's fun that. okay that's fun okay um so they get married uh they have their kids he has a child from a previous marriage but it gets into the 90s and edison's work uh changed or the job went away or something you had told me why don't we talk a little bit about that and you know maybe that's um maybe where he started to change a little bit as well why don't we talk about that yeah, so the mill eventually closed down where he worked, and so he was out of a job. Um, he still had, I think he still had one of the, the trucks that he used to haul the logs in. It's one mm -hmm. of those, you know, the big diesel trucks. Yeah. And so um, work back then, I think, was really hard for him to find, and so... Laverta worked in the school district and had a lot of different, um, I guess, resources. And so a lot of the time she was reaching out to people that she knew or people that she had met to kind of help him secure some jobs. And so he started hauling, um, I think it was like gravel for different mm -hmm. construction companies. And that lasted a while. But mm -hmm. then he just didn't want to keep doing that maybe I, I'm not mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. but he eventually would um, leave those jobs and then not complete the jobs that he was being given and sometimes they involved contracts yeah. um, and he would just walk away from them and didn't continue to to complete them so then she kind of eventually just stopped helping him do that because it was her name on the line with some yeah. of these companies and sure. some of these people and so she kind of left him be, let him be. And then um, in the meantime, she was the breadwinner in the family. She was the one that was having to pay for all the bills and handle the accounts. Mm -hmm. um, Edison, as far as I can remember, was not really um, dad material to say. He was never really involved with his children when they were growing up. It was always my sister that attended those you know, the plays and the teacher meetings and mm -hmm. any activities that the kids were involved in. It was always my sister that was there. I don't remember him being a part of that uh, because she worked in the school district. Yeah, Her kids attended that school, and so she knew the teachers firsthand. 
had really good relationships with teachers and principals. And so she um, engaged with them with them a lot in that way. Edison, mm-hmm. though, started doing um, scouting where he would take hunters in the area out to these areas um, to help mm-hmm. them hunt for deer, um, turkey, those kinds of things. Yeah. So he was the one that was mapping out those areas where he would take people to do that. And, and what in what area? Let's just be. Maybe we need to uh, make sure everybody knows what area is this that he was taking people to scouting. What what is the nearest city or town? Something like that. So Navajo is a really small town. Like not mm-hmm. even there's like one grocery store, one little school, and then a bunch of homes, mobile homes, and then the area where he took people mainly were up in the mountains. It was very close to a mountainous area, and so. Mm-hmm. That area is known as like the Crystal Mountains, the Wheatfield Mountains. That's the majority of the places where he took people to go hunting. Okay, so he transitioned from being a truck driver to being uh, a scout uh, mm-hmm. for people who go on these hunting excursions. And I don't hunt, yeah. but I have members of my family uh, who hunt. And I, I know that they used to go out west when we lived in Pennsylvania. So that is a thing. That is certainly a thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like you said, though, um, not going to a lot of his kids' functions for whatever reason. You said he wasn't uh, much uh, to, uh, much of uh, for dad material. Uh, you know, he wasn't that type of person, I guess. And what would Laverta, once again, just what she would say to you, uh, did you t- to talk about this? What did she have to say about this during, let's say, the late 1990s about all this going on? What'd she say? So our kids were probably, um, they were growing up a little bit, you know, getting older. So we would call one another on like Friday and we would make plans to go see my parents. And we did a lot at my parents' home at the time. And we always got together and just spent the weekends hanging out with my mom. There was Laverta, myself, and then my younger sister where we just did all kinds of things together at my mom's, you know. Um, we did traditional things. We had ceremonies. We had cultural things that we did as a family. So we would go there, visit. Um, pretty much that was what we did. And then um, our kids would ride bikes. We would take them fishing. Um, there were a couple of times that we went on camping trips. Roberta would go up to like the Tsele, which is like uh, another part of the Wheatfields area. There was a lake there. We would often go times there to fish and just kind of hang out, leisurely stuff. She, mm-hmm. During that time, um, she didn't say very much about Edison in terms of her, like, being tired of him. I mean, we, we joked around and teased a lot, you know, like, um, I don't know. I don't know if we, most women do this, but, you know, we made jokes about, like, again is he with the men doing the man thing you know mm-hmm. those kinds of things i mean we tease about it um well i guess uh what i'm saying is you know it sounded to me like you know she was trying to get him you know work with his truck and he didn't follow through i mean how, that had to be frustrating for her yeah that did become more frustrating for her as um mm-hmm. time grew so eventually mm-hmm. um like I said, she was the only one bringing in yeah. the income. So then um, 
there came a point where she eventually just told my parents and our family that she wanted to leave Edison. She had mm. been thinking about uh, filing for divorce because mm. they had become very distant. Um, huh? And and this is Edison's personality. He was very um, he was very narcissistic. He would um, not really pay attention to her feelings, her emotions. He was very um, just kind mm -hmm. of cut off in that way. Um, so when she was, mm -hmm. a lot of the time when she needed to talk about things, maybe something happening at work or something with her children, he wasn't a very good listener in that way. And so then... He didn't want to hear what she was feeling or what she was thinking. And I remember her and I having a conversation about that because um, he would like turn away one of his younger sons and not spend time with him. But then he would spend more time with the, the older son, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then would um, you uh, let me ask you this, maybe uh, very specifically, would you say that he was better with his son from his previous marriage than he was with the children that he had with Laverta? Your opinion? No, no, he wasn't. Um, okay. He didn't favor, well, the two boys that were with Laverta, he did favor one over the other, but mm. he didn't favor Laverta's kids over his the okay. his son from the previous marriage. Okay. And neither did Laverta. Laverta kept all the kids, um, you know, mm -hmm. just across the board. She loved them no matter what. She did the same for yeah. Edison's son that she did for her own children. Uh, we, we never even acknowledged that the older son was from a previous marriage. We just included him on everything that we did. Mm -hmm. and maybe um, I can ask you this. Being, uh, I'm guessing at some point, uh, did you get married in the 1990s at some point, Valina? I, I did, yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. What uh, did your husband, when the, you, know, you know, oftentimes when families, friends get together, of course the women maybe go off in their group, the men go off in their group. What was, if you can say, what was your husband's uh, opinion of Edison? Like when the guys would just be sitting around talking, drinking a beer, uh, you know, what What were some of the other guys' opinions of him? You know, uh, you know, get the guy point of view on him. Um, my brothers never really had a relationship with him. They mm. never, um, when he came, there was like no real interaction um, he kind of presented with this like really big, um, like a really big judgmental voice when it came to things. Like if somebody was doing something, he would always say something really negative. Uh -huh. You know, like, I, uh, if I were doing that, I, that's not the way that I would have done it. Or you shouldn't have done it that way. This is the better way to do it. Or so the guys kind of like just stayed away from him because they didn't really care for that attitude that he brought. Yeah. And then, right. um, I remember my brother telling me about a conversation that he had had with Edison one time where um, Edison had told them that there was like a ruckus in the in the compound or that area where they lived. One of the neighbors was like shooting off a gun or something in the middle of the night. Wow. And Edison went out there and took, I think he had like a rifle at the time. Mm -hmm. and grabbed his rifle and went and confronted this guy down the street. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember my brother saying that that was really crazy that he would walk out when someone was like shooting this gun off. I think it might have been like a celebration that was happening. Some people do that. 
And then he just walks out there, grabs his, his own gun, and goes over there mm-hmm. to confront the guy to tell him, you know, quit doing that or whatever. And so um, he was kind of like that kind of a person, just like, okay. I, I, I don't know how to explain that. And that's what I meant. Like, he wanted to be in control of things all the time. He would always tell Averta, you know, how to spend her money or that she couldn't spend it. Um Mm-hmm. kind of controlling in, in some sense and she um never really said anything to it she kind of just let him be um but still did things that she wanted to do regardless of whether or not you know it was going to make him mad or not okay in your conversations with laverta did uh she ever try to defend defend any of this if this ever came up in a conversation between you and her she tried to defend him or is she just like well there goes edison again no, that's the converse, That's the teasing that we did. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's off doing his male macho thing out in the woods again, you know. Um, okay. And we teased about it and laughed about it. Okay. All right, you've already mentioned it, so we'll uh, come back to it. But at some point, uh, I guess, you know, it became too much for her. And, and, and I even have it in my notes. It's in the outline. But you said that um, at some point the, the D word, divorce, came up. Do you remember the first time uh, you heard that? What year was it approximately? Do you remember? I can't remember the year, honestly, but um, she had called my parents and then also my brothers and sisters, including myself, to her home. And I want to say it was like on a Saturday morning, we all went to her home and just told everybody at that time that... um, she didn't love him anymore and that she was going going to be filing for a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that his parents were there as well, but he didn't have siblings there. It was just his parents. And in the Navajo culture, because they were married traditionally, they had mm-hmm. a Navajo wedding. I think she was thinking maybe that she wanted just to be respectful to his parents at the same time. Um, Mm-hmm. Just making it, making everyone aware that this is what she wanted to do, and so yeah. sat everyone down and said those words that she just didn't love him anymore, and that she wanted to leave him, and that um, he didn't treat her well. And then mm-hmm. um, she shared at that time that he had been mistreating her, sometimes being abusive toward her, mm-hmm. and that um, she just never sh- shared that with anybody. And you had also told me that he uh, he had been stalking her. I guess it is possible for a husband to stalk his wife. Uh, he had been stalking her, sitting outside her work or something? Yeah, so eventually after um, she announced that she wanted to divorce him, he didn't take it well. Um, mm-hmm. He was upset. He was mad. Um, and you could clearly see it in the things that he was saying and just the way that he was behaving. He was really angry about it. And then eventually turned into where she would be at work and I would call her at the end of the day, say, and I'd say, hey, are you getting ready to go home? And, um, you know, how was work today? And she'd say, I'm fine. And I can't stay on the phone too long because Edison's outside waiting for me. And I'd be like, is he there to pick you up? And she says, Mm -hmm. no, he's just been sitting out there since noon waiting for me. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's wrong with him? And mm-hmm. she would say, I don't know, he just he's just crazy like that. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'd not thought anything of it because she was in, a, in the schools and in the parking lot of a school district, lots of other people around. So, um, yeah. and then I guess she would like 
she drove herself to and from work. So I don't know if he just ended up like following her home after she left work because um, hmm. she drove herself to work. Yeah. Um, do you think this started to happen? Did you do you think this was during uh, 2002 uh, that you're talking about this, or could this have even started earlier, like 2001? No, it probably was around 2002. It might have just mm. been earlier in the year um, because she disappeared in July. Right. But even her coworkers, when they were interviewed, told about him sitting in the parking lot waiting for her or making like calls throughout the day just to you know get a hold of her and um it became annoying for her co-workers i know she had another lady that worked in the office with her and eventually she would be the one taking the calls and taking the messages for my sister and um mm -hmm. and when somebody left the building there he was in his truck sitting outside you know so mm -hmm. she, it wasn't just her okay aware of it, it was her co-workers as well okay um, I have in my notes here in the outline that it's possibly like possibly like February of 2002 that she brought up that it became a little maybe a little more public you might say that she wanted to get a divorce. Um, you know what was that time period the way you remember it between her um, you know announcing that she wanted to do this to your family and then of course July of 2002 when she went missing, you know, that uh, must have been a long six months. Did you ever, you know, worry about, you know, uh, things? You know, it's very, uh, I think we all know, you know, when women decide they're going to leave controlling men, it can be a very uh, dangerous time. Uh, those six months, you know, what do you remember about those six months? And, and why do you think when she thought about that, she just didn't automatically move out or something? You know, why did she... You know, why did they continue to live under the same roof? You know, if you can answer all of that. Yeah, I think um, during that time, my sister would leave and then go back. I mean, there was a there was like probably a week in there where she spent a week living with me hmm. because they had had this big fight and he wanted her to leave. And so she left and came to stay with me. And then um, he would like come by throw her clothes off into my driveway of where I lived. Um, and she felt really bad because she couldn't bring her kids to stay with me either. He would tell her to leave without the children. So I think he started to use the kids as leverage against her. And so he would chase her out of the home and she'd have to go back because her kids were there and she didn't yeah. have a place to take her children. So she would go back to be with the kids not not necessarily him and i honestly don't think she ever thought anything harm, harm harmful would come her way okay i think she i think in my sister's mind she probably mm. thought okay well i'm gonna make sure that i have something in place because mm. she was a planner mm. i'm gonna have something in place i'm gonna start this process and then eventually i'm gonna take my kids and make sure that they have a place to to go to that's safe and then I'm going to pull them out of that environment, you know? Mm -hmm. So she would come and go. Um, what, maybe I can ask you this. What do you think, uh, uh, I'll ask you this at the time of her disappearance in July of 2002, do you think she fully intended to divorce her, uh, herself from Edison? I do. 
I, I mm-hmm. honestly do. I think she was just working toward doing it. Okay. Um, what do you I'm think sure she would have was... done? Uh, would I mean, usually, uh, once again, I think a higher percentage of the time, it's the guy who has to move out with your regular, I guess, dis, dis, uh, divorce in the in the United States. But do you think that's what would have happened had she not gone missing, that she would have stayed in the house and he would have been forced to move out? Or what, what do you predict? What could you have predicted? Yeah, I think um, a lot of it, too, has to do with how we were raised and, and our culture as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because we're Native, um, not to say that all of this is, is culturally mm-hmm. related, but I think she was just um, not trying to embarrass herself because the school district there was a lot of people that worked in the school district that lived in the area. And I think she was just trying to save face a little bit and yeah. making sure that, okay, well, you know, I, I can't be too crazy with how I approach this and I want to try to keep things quiet. Um, so, and I don't want to embarrass my parents. It's, it's mm-hmm. a huge thing yeah. how parents, the respect of our family, I guess maybe is what she could have been thinking. I'm not sure, but I know that when she said she was going to leave, and I've never known my sister to be indecisive or, like, not follow through with something she wants to do, she wanted to leave him, and she was going to leave him. She just probably wanted to do it the best way she could. Her kids were older than her daughter was, like, getting into high school, I believe. And so, again, she's working in that district where her daughter goes to high school, so what can I what's the least amount of embarrassment I can bring about to my daughter who's getting into high school? Because people that she worked with worked there. And she would, her daughter was friends with the teacher's children and things like that. So maybe just in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. When I, I think back about it, you know, where yeah. she was at with that going back and forth before um, she disappeared, struggling okay. with that maybe. Okay. And so, uh, once again, though, uh, she was going to leave him. She wanted to get divorced, but was she one, the one that was going to be leaving the house, or do you think he was been the one that would have been, had to have moved out? He would have been. He would he have would. been the person to go, but I think mm-hmm. with his, with his um, personality, yeah, he was not going to. Um, he was going to give her a hard time, and he was going to take everything Okay. He was going to take everything because honestly, I think he was afraid that he was going to have nothing by the end of all that. Okay. I think he was really scared. And so he had to. All right. These are just your opinion. The way you assess it from uh, 19 years later, that's your assessment, your your opinion. Yeah. Of course. All right. Because I'm guessing you never specifically talked to Edison about this. No, I've Uh, not talked to him since my my sister disappeared. Okay. Just a few questions before we get up uh, to the day of her disappearance, uh, which is July 4th, 2002. Um, Laverta have any, um, maybe she might have had, uh, given that she had a husband like that, but I have to ask, any mental health issues, any drug issues, anything like that, uh, personal issues like that for Laverta? No, she was a very sound and stable person. Um, mm-hmm. She, like, again, she was social. She did Mm. have friends that she went out with. And the casinos in the area were opening up at that time on the, on the, 
like border towns of the reservations. And so she liked to go to the casinos. Um, sometimes there, there was a show that maybe she'd like to go see. Um, I know that she did that with friends. I know that she went to a couple of clubs, um, and had drinks with friends. Um, so she did get out there. Um, and I'm sure that she met people and I'm sure that she met other men as well. Not saying that she had relations with other men. Um, I've never Mm. known my sister to be, you know, Mm. a a woman that would, Mm -hmm. you know, have relationships with other men, but that's not to say that, you know, she may have had a relationship with somebody else at that time. Okay. She never made that information known to me. So I can't say whether or not I know that when we got the information back from the FBI, there were um, reports in there that she had been in a relationship with another man. Okay. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little later. But no uh, addictions, no mental health issues, anything like that? No, no. Okay, okay. Let's move up to uh, July 4th, 2002, which is uh, the disappearance date. You actually spoke to her that day. Do you remember that conversation? What did you two talk about? Yeah, um, she called me in the morning of that day to tell me um, – that she had been making plans to meet her friend and mm-hmm. she had given me a phone number to call and leave a message saying that she was going to be meeting this friend of hers at a certain time. And I think it was like later in the evening, I want to say mm-hmm. maybe around five o'clock and then um, that, that she would call me back to make sure that, um, whoever, I think it was her friend was going to say yes or no, that that was going to be a good meetup place or or at that time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I said, yeah, sure. So I made the call, but the call went to voicemail. I did not speak to anybody in person. I just left a a voicemail for Mm -hmm. whoever the person was that I was supposed to call saying that, yes, Lavertis is going to be meeting you at this time. Um, and that was it. So I never actually made contact with whoever that number was to that she had given me. So I have that, to, the way you're portraying it here, we've talked, and the listeners should know, we've talked about this call, but you've never yeah. uh, quite portrayed it that way. That sounds very, I have to admit, that sounds very strange to me, Melina. The number that she had called, that gave, she gave me was to mm-hmm. her girlfriend, mm-hmm. Eugenia. And so I never talked to Eugenia. Mm-hmm. I, I left a voicemail for Eugenia and then I was waiting for my sister to call back and we got busy because mm-hmm. it was the 4th of July. Okay. I didn't wait by the phone for her to call me back. Yeah. I went about my day. There was a festival, like a, a carnival in town. It's a huge event on the reservation. We went to that and then we went to, um, my boyfriend's home after that to his aunt's home. So I did, I just totally had forgotten that she was going to call me back. I didn't sit around and wait for her to call mm-hmm. me. And, and I didn't have cell phones were like a brand new thing at the time. Right. So very few people had cell phones and they are not mm-hmm. these tiny little things that we carry around these days. They, they were these big bulky they surely were. gadgets yeah, right. that, that connected to these bigger um, components and you could mm-hmm. only use them like in a vehicle. Um, so, 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't hear back from her. And, and that was the last time I talked to her was that morning. Okay. Um, why, why did she want you to call her at this, this friend's house? I guess that's what sounded strange to me, yeah. the, way you, the way you explained it to me. That's what, that, that's, why would she give you a number? Yeah, call me or, or you know, at yeah. this number. Why didn't she just call this friend at that number or something? Maybe I'm misunderstanding. You know, that sounds like a weird situation. What What do you think yeah. about that? I have no idea. Um, huh. Honestly, no one's ever asked me that. I don't know. I don't know why she would ask me to do that. I guess Maybe what I'm asking is, did it, did it seem weird at the time? It didn't. It really didn't. didn't. I just was okay. like, yeah, sure, you know. Um, I Yeah, I never thought about why would she be asking me to do this. Her and I were close enough that I guess maybe she felt comfortable enough to say, hey, can you just do this one little thing for me? Like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. All right, no explanation. And I, and I did just, it. <laughs> she's good. I, 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 I know you did. Uh, no explanation, though. No context of why she wanted you to do this. No, this is my sister from back way long time ago when we were mm-hmm. younger would yeah. say says i packed a bag full of clothes and boots and it's in the closet can you please put it out the window so that i can go and sneak off to a dance you know uh-huh. without mom and without mom and dad finding out and i'm like yeah sure you know being the little sister i just did what yeah. <laughs> my sister asked okay so i'd never thought about it no <laughs> okay all right well i have two brothers and a sister myself and um you know, I don't, you know, you know, once again, maybe if you had known you, she was going to go missing, you know, within the next 24 hours, that statement might have been like, well, why do you want me to do that? But at the time, yeah. it is, uh, maybe we just need to go over that one more time so the listeners, so she, you talk to her on the phone and she says, call this number. And, yeah. And she had like said, I think it was, um what are you doing today? And I said, nothing, we're home. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to the fair later on. Mm-hmm. And then she says, um, can you call this number and let Eugenia know that I'm going to meet her at this time? And it was like five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then I'll call you back later. And then you can tell me what she says. And I said, okay. And so that was it. That was really, okay. she never, she never mentioned that, you know, I'm going to go, do this. I'm going to go have dinner with Edison and Gallup to celebrate our anniversary. She -hmm. never said, you know, I'm going to go check out the fair myself. None of that. We never discussed any of that. All right. So there's a question as to why she just couldn't call Eugene and tell her herself. Maybe it's because Edison was right there. Maybe because he was hovering and she thought, well, he's not going to allow me even to use the phone to call her. So I'll get you to do that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay. But we should know that Laverta never did uh, meet up with this friend of hers, correct? She never did, yeah. Okay. Um, When did you find out that she never met up with this friend of hers? Um, Not until the, um, the interview started happening with the FBI. And at that time, we got little bits and pieces back from the FBI, but not a whole lot. Okay, when would you um, say this was? How many days after July 4th? Just approximately. Yeah, I want to say it was months, maybe. Months, wow. Yeah, maybe okay. two, three months later. Okay. But 
Then when what did when did you find out what Laverta actually did that evening? When did you find that out? So that came back to us from the police mm-hmm. because in the area where we live or where we were at, we have New Mexico State Police, we have mm. the Navajo Nation Police, we have the McKinley County Police, and then we have, or not McKinley County Police, sheriffs before mm-hmm. the FBI. Wow. So because she lived in Navajo, New Mexico, there were jurisdiction problems. Of course. She lived in Navajo, New Mexico, was part of the McKinley County District, but mm-hmm. she disappeared in Windrock or Fort Defiance, which is part of the Navajo Nation. Mm-hmm. And then, um, because she was in the boundaries of New Mexico, then the New Mexico mm-hmm. State Police were involved. So okay. when the interviews with these different components were happening, they were interviewing a lot of different people and not all of it were were family. They were even interviewing people from work. They were interviewing yeah. her. Well, let's uh, yeah. Well, let's. Say the, I don't want to get too deep into that. I just want to keep this simple for right now. Okay. All right. So you didn't find out until months later that she didn't yeah. meet this friend, correct? Yes. Eugenia, the one that she asked you to call. When yes. did you find out what she actually did that evening? When did you find that out? The New Mexico, I think it was New Mexico State, no, it was the Navajo Nation Police that shared with us that they had actually gone into Gallup, which is the border town adjacent to the reservation, to have dinner. And then they had gone to have dinner at this restaurant and then left after they ate. All right, when did you, when did you find this out? When? Um... I want to say maybe a couple of weeks after. Wow, that long? Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, so you didn't find out, you know, once again, she asks you to call this friend, leaving you kind of with the impression that they were going to be getting together on July 4th. You don't find out until months later that they didn't meet, but then you did find out what she actually did, and we'll get into how there's proof of that, but you didn't even find out about that until weeks later. Yeah. So later in July. Yeah. Well, if you can remember, what was what was your impression until you were told this about that uh, Laverta and Edison going to dinner? What did you think where she was on that day, that evening when she went missing? Because obviously, by that time, you know she's missing. What did you think? Um, I don't know. I couldn't think anything because mm-hmm. I was in a frenzy. I mean, I was mm-hmm. freaking out beyond beyond a freak out. I. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of thoughts crossed my mind. What could have happened where she was at? I just know that she was with Edison, and I, I didn't know about any of the other stuff. So I, right. my immediate thoughts were, what, what did you guys do? Where were you? What, where did she go? Um, I guess so what I'm saying uh, is she goes missing on July 4th. You don't hear from her on the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. Um, mm-hmm. There's nobody... I know you said you've not spoken to Edison since the disappearance, but did nobody speak to Edison and say, hey? No. No, what happened was because that that July 4th holiday, I, mm-hmm. I want to say back then it was on a Wednesday or a Thursday. I think it was a Thursday. So yeah. everyone was just kind of doing their own thing. No one, no one in my family thought anything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
So the weekend goes by. I'm leaving for a training on a Monday, and I call her to see, to let her know, hey, I'm going to be out of town. Today's the day I leave, you know. And her coworker tells me, you know, she didn't call in to work today. She's not wow. at work. Wow. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'll just call back later, thinking nothing. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I get to where I'm going, call her back again, and her coworker says she didn't show up today. I'm like, okay, maybe she just called out, and just or not called out, but maybe she just didn't show up for whatever. Not panicking, just like, okay, I'll call tomorrow. I can't call her at her home because I'm afraid that, you know, it's just going to be Edison picking up the phone because he's mm-hmm. always answering the phone whenever mm-hmm. I call. So then I'm like, okay, I'll just wait. I'm, I'll wait till tomorrow. Tuesday rolls around. I call again, and her coworker says she didn't call in. She's not here. Then I start to become a little panicked. And I'm like, why mm-hmm. would she not call in? This is day two. So then um, I try calling her home, and there's no answer. So then a couple of hours go by, I call again, and her coworker at this point has told the director she's she's not here. So then I'm like, did anybody call her home or anybody know? And he says, no, no one's heard from her. And this is not typical of her. So -hmm. then I call her home again, no answer. So then I'm starting to get paranoid. Yeah. I, I think it's not until the next morning because I'm trying to stay calm. I'm not anywhere near her. I call the next morning on Wednesday morning, freaked out. Um, I call my mom and my sister and my brother and I'm like can some and this at this point I'm feeling very uneasy my stomach is just turned over and I'm like oh my god something really bad's happened mm-hmm. I panic call my family and I'm like somebody get to her house go there right now and then that's just when everything comes to me something's happened yeah. I know something's happened All right so then um okay all right. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, being that she had you call Eugenia this past, that passed uh, on July 4th, which we believe is a Thursday, did you call her when you couldn't reach uh, Laverta? She wasn't showing up for work. Did it ever occur to you to say, well, you know, last time I heard from her, she was going to be talking to Eugenia. And we're not going to use Eugenia's name, and I've not spoken to Eugenia for the purposes of this episode. But did you ever call her to? you know, track her down and say, you know, that occur to you? No, I didn't call her. I didn't have her number just Mm. the time that Roberta gave Mm. it to me to call her, but I didn't. Mm. She was not the first person for me to think Mm. about to call. Okay. Um, I just had a sense something went wrong or something was wrong. And I don't know. My mind just said, call Okay. I don't know. My, I just knew something had happened between her and Edison. Okay. That was your, uh, we don't do theories on the program, but that's what you were feeling at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, when did somebody, and we'll get to actually how we know what they did that night here in a moment, but when did finally somebody track Edison down and, you know, who was that person on the phone, in person? What? what? So that that Wednesday morning when I called my family and said, please, somebody just go check at her house, go, somebody go over there now. Um, right after I made those calls, I called again and um, Edison answered the phone this time. Hmm. And I just immediately went off and I was like, what did you do? Where is she? Um, tell me, what did you do to her? And then he just hung up. And then, um, he didn't answer, I he want- didn't answer those questions. He hung up on no. you. 
yeah, he just hung up the phone. Okay. And then my mom and my sister, I think, arrived at her home probably within that hour. It was in the early morning, I want to say about 6, that I called. And then my family showed up at his home early that morning. And my niece, or not my niece, my sister said that he wouldn't let them in at first. Um, and then eventually, mm-hmm. I guess my, my sister told him, well, my mom's here too. My mom wants to come in. And so then, and mind you, my mom is elderly. So it would have been really disrespectful of him not to allow my mom to come in. So eventually he lets them in and they're going through the house, you know, kind of calling her name, looking around. And the kids had just gotten up and they were getting ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. And so they're asking him, you know, well, where is she? Where's Laverne? And he says, I don't know. I haven't seen her. I dropped her off at the school um, the other night when she wanted to go. And that's where that information came from. And that's what he kept telling them. And then they had called the police. So then the police showed up and then my brother showed up. Everyone mm-hmm. was just in his home asking him. And that's what he kept telling to the police is that I dropped her off at her work. And that's the last I saw of her. I don't know. I haven't heard from her. Um, and then they asked him, well, why didn't you call the police? And he said, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if, if she, you know, I didn't know what to do. I don't, I don't know where she's at either. So okay. What was. Okay. Uh, but we have to remember this was one day. So this would have been six days after the last time anybody heard from her. Yeah. So July 4th. And so the following Wednesday would be July 10th. Yeah. And so it's already been six days. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so now that uh, we finally got to the point where Edison, uh, you know, is being asked questions, and we'll get to the, the children themselves, but you find out what they actually did do. We, we know that about this Eugenia person who Laverta did not meet up with. Instead, you eventually find out that what did Laverta and Edison do on July 4th? So we were told that they had gone into Gallup and had dinner to mm. celebrate their anniversary because mm. that's the day they were married on mm-hmm. at a restaurant in Gallup. They had had dinner, had some drinks and then left mm. the restaurant. And I, I can't give you time because I, I don't I'm know sorry. the timeline of what time they left Okay. on their way back. They had made a stop at this um, gas station and she had made a call because her cell phone had, I want to binged off of the tower somewhere there. Mm-hmm. And the phone call um, that she had made was to, not Eugenia, but it was to a different person. It okay. was to a guy, uh, the, the guy that I think she was having the relationship with. Huh. Fair with. That phone call was made, but it was like a minute. So it's assumed that no, no one answered. There was no conversation had. It was just a call mm-hmm. that was missed, I think. So then they drove back, um, and that's where things, we don't know what happened after that because there's nothing to tell us except Edison that he's saying that that they went to the fairgrounds where the children were at, but later on, like around 11 o'clock, he's saying that he dropped her off at her work on the school district grounds in front of her office because that's where she wanted to go. All right, that and, and that then, and that's Edison's story to this day. That's his story. All right. And then he just dropped her off, left her and went home. All right, so let me uh, sum this up for the listeners. So, 
Um, she had you make this, what I would call a little bit of a strange phone call. I have my suspicions regarding that call, but I, I, we don't do suspicions on the program. But she has you call Eugenia and leave this message. But then instead, it seems, Laverta and Addison, it is their 15th wedding anniversary. My understanding, once again, from a prior uh, notes that I took, uh, around July 4th of 2002, they go out to dinner. And on the way home, uh, there is proof that, and is there proof they were at this restaurant? Yeah, there's video that um, was okay. recorded that they were in the restaurant and what they did and okay. them leaving the restaurant. All right, so then they're still headed home and they stopped at this gas station. Is there proof that they stopped at this gas station? Um, just the cell phone tower making that call. Okay. Just that ping that they picked up. Okay, and so Laverta had a cell phone at the time. We were just talking about that before these big clunky old cell phones. Right? Yeah. Right? Okay. And so she makes this phone call, and we'll come back to that later. And then what Edison's story is after that, he dropped her off at her work. That he drove, he's yeah. saying that he, he they went, they both went to the fairgrounds okay. to check on their children because that's where their children were at. Okay. Their kids never see their mom. Yeah. But he said that they were there and then mm -hmm. I don't know what happens after that. He doesn't tell us, but later on mm -hmm. he said that around 11 o'clock is when he dropped her off at her work. At her work. All right. And remember, she works for a school district. She works in human resources. I have to admit it's a little hard to understand uh, why a person in human resources would need to drop be dropped off at 11 p.m. at night yeah, and left there. Maybe yeah. if she forgot something at work, maybe and she has a key to get into the building or something, uh, being that it was a holiday. Uh, maybe you know she has a key, she has to go into something, but it's a little hard to be dropped off. It's a little hard to understand. So her buildings, her office was a portable, mm -hmm. but later on we also find out that she didn't even have her office keys. Okay. Her so office she keys were found in her home when they did the search. And then I lived not even a mile from where her office portable sat. Mm -hmm. In the past, she's come to my home from work, which is like just a hop, skip away. All we know is that he says that she he dropped her off at her work and left her there. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, this is the story he tells. This is a story that he stuck to to this day? Yes. Okay. All right. So the police finally get involved uh, six days later. We've already been through how you finally figured out she didn't show up for work that following Monday, the following Tuesday. And then the following Wednesday, he hangs up on you. Your mother, uh, another family member, show up. He finally lets them inside, and uh, of course she is. Of course, uh, Laverta is not there. Um, do the police? Uh, what do they do? Of course, they they track down this video um, from them them going out on July fourth, which is very fortunate. I can't even begin to tell you. To be able to find a video six days, at least six days in the past. Uh, very lucky on that. Um, so missing persons report is filed. I, I guess that um, 
Edison has spoken to. What else goes on with the police? Um, they start to question, you know, I think they start to question um, family. Mm-hmm. And we start to share the information that, that she was going to be leaving. They start questioning people she worked with. Um, they do do a couple of searches, um, mm-hmm. like her work area. Yeah. I mean, the area where she worked. Um, like I said, there are like three different groups of police officers yeah. investigating at that time. So there was a lot of different people being interviewed, people that... Mm-hmm that were acquaintances, not even friends of hers. And so just, just a lot of different information coming forward. Um, there were even some people that I think were calling and saying that they had seen her at a casino. Um, and then, of course, the police officers would go and check it out, check out the videos, and it wasn't even her. Um, yeah, of course. They're just Very trying common. to collect, collect um, evidence or just trying to get a story, get, a, get information about what could have happened. Okay. Uh, and we maybe just need to be clear about this. They went to, for dinner, there's proof that they went to dinner in Gallup, uh-huh. correct? And yeah. allegedly, where did they stop at this uh, this uh, gas station? Where was that supposed to be? The gas station is like um, an area between Gallup and Windrock. Okay. So... It's just a little gas station on the side of the road that I don't I don't know why they stopped there honestly. Oh, we never got. Well, just maybe, I, maybe all I'm asking is where they. Gas. All I'm asking. <laughs> to, you don't have to expound on anything here, okay. Lavillian. I'm just asking you. Just stick to the questions, and, and we'll be fine. Um, okay. Where is this gas station? It's like um, an hour from her home. Okay. Between Windrock and Gallup. Okay, and where is these fair? Where are the fairgrounds where the children were? It's in Windrock, which is like 30, 40 minutes from her home. Okay. And where is her work? Her work is in Fort Defiance, which is about 15 minutes from Windrock. Mm-hmm. And then probably 20 minutes from her home. Okay. And she lived in Navajo. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. So everybody can maybe if they want to go to a map and see what all these locations. <laughs> they, and I probably will be doing a... Uh, YouTube video for this to explain some of these locations uh, to everyone because uh, there are a lot of different locations and of course jurisdictions etc. Okay, yeah. so uh, to this day, 19 years later, uh, 19 years later, Edison is sticking uh, to a story. Um, maybe it's true, but what do the children have to say? They were at these fairgrounds. What is their re- recollection of July Fourth? The way you understand it. Um, so. The older daughter remembers that um, she did see her dad at the fairgrounds. He did come up to her and tell her, you know, you guys need to be getting home by your curfew. And I think she mentioned her curfew at the time was like 10 or 1030. Mm-hmm. So she actually drove to the fairgrounds with her friends. And so she was there with her friends. Their younger son was with my brother doing a sleepover with his kids and then the middle child I think was at the fairgrounds as well but oh no I'm sorry the middle child was actually with my brother doing a sleepover the younger child was with um I think an aunt his his sister back in Navajo doing a sleepover at their home 
so Tiffany was the one that was up at the fairgrounds. And so mm-hmm. um, he told her that she needed to be home by curfew. And then when she got home, she just, she was a little bit late and the lights in her home were off. Um, she just went right into her room and went right to bed. Okay. So how old is she? How old, how old was she in 2002, roughly? Uh, 14, I want to say. All right. And what was her curfew at the time? Do you know? It was probably about 10 or 10.30, she said. All right. So she get home, got home a little late. Curfew's 10. Let's say she got home at 10.30. And so mm-hmm. she's saying she, um, she got into bed without ever seeing her parents. Yeah. She just went right to bed. All right. Being that she was late, maybe she was probably happy about that. All right. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, what happens once again, being that it seems, did any of the other children come home that night? No. Okay, so the next morning, what does Tiffany, uh, the 14-year-old, remember when she gets up the next morning? Um, They got up, or she got up, and then I think um, maybe her brothers were brought back over and dropped off. She might have slept in a little bit because she said that um, her brothers were home. They got up to eat, and her, um, her younger brother was asking for their mom Mm -hmm. and Edison had said something along the lines of, well, she's not here. Um, she's left you guys is what she said. She remembers. And then, um, they didn't know what to think of it. You know, they just, of course, um, they were a little bit sad, shocked. Um, and it just kind of went on like that. She said that the weekend was really quiet. Um, No one, you know, she said the phone call, the phone would ring and then her dad would be on the phone with somebody, but then they just kind of went about their day. She, um, I think they played games a lot. There was a lot of like video game playing. And so they, Mm -hmm. she kept occupied doing that. They were young. They didn't really think anything of it. You know, um, they just figured, oh, well, mom and dad had a fight, you know, she'll Mm -hmm. be home. All right. Um, So just, uh, for the listeners. So. On one hand, once again, I realize you were not there in the home on July 5th, the next day. But the way you understand it, of course, Tiffany, 14 at the time, it's been 19 years, she's now in her 30s. The way she remembers it is that the next morning that the father said, yeah, your mother just, she just took off. Yeah. All right. In contrast to what he told the police, which was he dropped uh, Laverta off at work. Yeah. Okay, so those two things do not seem to um, go together. Those seem to be yeah. inconsistent, seemingly. Okay, so that's, and um, did, uh, I have to ask, did these children believe that Laverta just took off and deserted them? Um, they were told throughout their, the rest of their teen years by mm-hmm. his family that my sister had abandoned them and that she went off to start a new family and that she didn't want anything to do with them. And, um, that's what they grew up in their teens believing. They figured, yeah, I guess mom really did leave us. We didn't have a relationship with the children after that. Huh? And how old were the other two uh, kids at this time? We know Tiffany was 14. How old were the other two in 2002? Um, I think her brother Nicholas was probably like 11 or 12, and then wow. the youngest was probably about nine, maybe. Wow. 
Okay. So uh, they're told that their mother abandoned them, and but on the other hand, what uh, Edison was telling uh, the police, anybody who is uh, an adult who's interested in all of this, is that, yeah, they went, he drove uh, Laverta to her work, dropped her off, and just left her there. And that's where she disappeared from. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, we've already mentioned phone calls and things. Let's just go through this a little, a little uh, deeper. Um, we know that about this call that she had you make um, to Eugenia and, and leave this message. Once again, I have my suspicions, but we don't do suspicions for interviews. But there is this other call that you've already mentioned that uh, happened, that occurred after uh, Laverta and Edison had dinner. You, we talked about this gas station. It was made in the area. Um, and you said that this call was from Laverta's phone to this other man who we're going to talk about here in a moment. Um, so there's proof of this. The FBI found this information in one of your uh, family members found out about it. My understanding is you told me it was your brother. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how long after Laverta went missing did uh, was this information revealed? Um, Approximately. It probably was within the first couple of weeks. Okay. So you find out that uh, this call was made, and at the time, did the FBI just come out? And we're not going to use this guy's name. Um, at the time, did the FBI just come right out and tell you the guy's name, and, and, and did you suspect that she was having an affair, or, or what did you think when the FBI said, yeah, she called this other guy that night? What did you think? Um, I, I personally, after my brother mentioned that um, that mm -hmm. information was given to him, yeah, I didn't really think anything of it. I just mm -hmm. thought... Okay, so she started seeing someone that would explain a lot and then just okay. dismissed it because I was just, I don't know, I wasn't mad at her for it, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I just was like, oh, okay. Okay. It didn't bother me. All right, to your knowledge, is that the last call from her phone? Yeah. Once again, to your knowledge, you've not seen her records or has anybody in your family ever seen her phone records from July 4th, 2002? No, we've never been given that information. Okay. Um, the only other information is that that phone that, that she had, that mm -hmm. she made that call from, was the same phone that Edison used. And so when the FBI took the records, he had been making calls off of that phone as well. And the other phone, the other numbers that he called after mm -hmm. her disappearance were to his family. Wow. Like the, the very next day, I think he calls his sister and they have a conversation for quite an extensive amount of time. Okay, and I, I certainly want to get to that in a moment. So if we're to believe Edison's story that Laverta just took off, she took off without her phone. Yeah. All right, had you ever known Edison to ever use that phone, or is your understanding is that Laverta was the only one who ever used that phone? No, they both used that phone because and, okay. it was the big clunky phone that just, okay. it, they like had it in their vehicle, mm -hmm. and then when they needed it, they took it to their home. But they also had a, 
uh, landline at that time in their home. So okay. phone calls were made from their landline as well. All right. So these were the days when people only had one cell phone. It wasn't like today where everybody has their own cell phone. Yeah. Even five-year-olds yeah. have their own cell phones now. <laughs> okay. So this is a, they shared a cell phone. Yeah. So it's not unusual for them, uh, for him then to be using it the next day. No. Okay. All right, so um, if she took off and really did desert her family, she did it without her phone, and then he's using the phone the next day. But what you do know about that is uh, that he continued to use it and talk to his sister the next day. To your knowledge, when he, being that there is proof that he spoke to his sister the next day, in any of those conversations that he had with any of his family members, did he ever mention about Laverta? Her taking off, her disappearing, anything. To your he knowledge. Had to have, he had to have mentioned it because it's the aunts that start telling the children that their mom abandoned them. Okay. Okay, so uh, maybe can take for granted that's just what Edison's saying. She's yeah. she's just I mean she's not there she I mean, the yeah. aunt wasn't there if if he really did drop her off at her work she wasn't there so this is things something that she's just getting from Edison okay yeah all right so it does seem then that Edison did mention to them that Laverto is missing he has his own opinion on what happened but he did tell them it wasn't like he was covering anything up yeah okay. All right, but uh, as far as we know, though, as far as Laverta using the phone, uh, the best we can do is that that phone call after they went to dinner probably, possibly, was the last time she used the phone. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to this, and being that we've talked about it uh, a few times now, um, we've talked about this other man. We're not going to mention his name. Uh when did your family, and maybe we can just start with you, when did you find out that maybe uh, she was seeing another guy? When the FBI, um, and we've been through three. Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually on our fourth one. Yeah, but I believe it. One of the, I want to say it's the first one, gave us information, bits and pieces that kind of just wanting to I, I don't know. He was giving us information, um, and that's when he shared that that phone call had been made and that they mm. had gone and talked to this person and that um, that mm. there had been a relationship between them. Uh, I, I have to ask. A sexual relationship? Yes. Okay. Um, did, he, did this other guy verify that it was Laverta on the phone that night? Did he say, yeah, she did call me? Um... I don't know if he know. answered to, I don't know what the questions would have been mm-hmm. if he was asked if she had called you, but mm-hmm. from what information we did get, the information is that the phone call probably wasn't successful because the timing on that call was less than a minute, so mm. they couldn't have had a conversation. It looks like it was okay. a, a missed call, and so um, that mm-hmm. was that was just kind of what we put together ourselves. Okay. Um, All right. So um, what you're saying is this other man and Laverta, given that what you know about the time length, they did not actually talk that night. It was a call to his number, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, you know, I have to admit, Laverta sounds like a very busy person. You're like, like she said, like put the social things together, um, family events, work, kids. Uh, where did she find time to have uh, with this other man? Now that you knew about it, I'm guessing you were shocked when you found out. I'm guessing your family was shocked. But yeah. uh, in retrospect, where was she finding time? How did she meet this guy? I couldn't tell you that. I really don't know. Um, when her friends were interviewed, her inter- her friends had mentioned, you know, that um, there was always like a group of people that were together and maybe those groups, you know, how people do when they're in a group at an event or, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe it was through her friends, one getting to know another. I'm not sure what what the mm-hmm. circumstances were and what where they found the time to do that. I, I really don't have any of that information. Okay. Were they co never, were they coworkers? No, they didn't work together. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Any idea how long they any idea how long it had been going on? No, I do not know. Okay, no nobody knows. And um was this guy also married? Do you do you know? He was. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he was going through a divorce at the time. Okay. Had you ever even heard his name before? Once again, we are not using it for this episode, although uh, um, Valina did tell me his name. Um, had you ever even heard his name before, before it was brought no. up? No. no, she had never spoke to, to him about it with me. Okay, so... Or to me about him. All right, so the only reason then that he was... Uh, interviewed is because once again there was this phone call and they go to talk to him and uh, we're taking for granted when confronted by the FBI hey this missing woman she called you why he must have said yeah she and I were having an affair uh-huh. okay all right we'll just leave it at that do you uh, uh, know if uh, this guy has been cleared regarding uh, her disappearance uh, we don't theorize but just as an example Maybe it is true. Laverta said she needed all work, and that was actually a plan to meet this guy. You know. Yeah, he. Um, my when I spoke with my brother in his mm-hmm. notes, he has extensive notes about different conversations. Okay. With investigators, there is a section in there that talks to um, how he was. Um, he had an alibi when questioned mm-hmm. about his whereabouts that night. Of. Okay her disappearance. Okay. Um, and then he also took, he was, I guess, given a polygraph after the, um, during the whole process of being interviewed and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, his alibi was accurate. And then he, I guess, did fine on the polygraph test when he was given that. Okay. He passed it is what I was told. Okay. Do you know where this guy lives? I do not. Okay. All right, so we have uh, her being out uh, with Edison, her husband, right around their 15th anniversary. And there's this phone call after to this uh, other guy, but there's no proof that Laverta dialed it because nobody heard her voice. It sounds like it you know, maybe went to voicemail and maybe the person hung up or something like that, whoever it was, whether it was Edison calling or Laverta calling. The, the daughter gets home. Um... 
does not see her parents at all, but the next morning her father's there, and that's where the story starts that uh, Laverta took off and abandoned uh, her family, her kids. But then when the police come around weeks later, that um, he's telling them, yeah, that she dropped, you know, for some reason she requested to be dropped off, dropped off at work that night. Yeah, and in that process, after he gave that story, um, mm -hmm. the rest of the time when being asked, he pled the fifth. He didn't want to okay. say anything more. He stopped talking okay, to the police. Stopped. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it certainly is right to do so. He might have just felt, you know what, I've said all I have to say. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, so there's, okay. Uh, being that she is, of course, still missing over 19 years later, did Edison end up getting a divorce from her, at least on paper? Yes, I think about a year after she disappeared, he did file for divorce, and he was granted a divorce. Okay. And your opinion, once again, in your culture, had it gone to a divorce, Laverta wanted a divorce, um, would she have gotten custody of the children? Had yeah. she not gone missing, if she'd followed through with her divorce, had she gotten, would she have gotten the kids? Yeah. Okay. In our culture, um, mm -hmm. we're a matri matri oh, I can't even say the word, I'm so sorry. That's all right, a matriarchal, matriarchal, family. matriarchal yeah. yeah. So yes, um, she would have she would have been able to take okay. the kids um, and all the belongings because in our culture everything belongs to the woman, including mm -hmm. the children. So mm -hmm. that that's just a given. It happens with a lot of Native or Navajo women. Okay, so being that he got divorced from her uh, uh, after she went missing, he, of course, got custody of children and got to keep everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, what did happen to Laverta's stuff? Being that she's missing, uh, just would have been the clothes on her back, uh, her purse, uh, shoes, etc. What about the rest of her stuff? What happened to it? Everything that was in their home? He um, put things in suitcases and in bags. And then took them to my mom's home and just dropped them off at my mom's home and left everything there, clothing. Mm -hmm. And then the jewelry he kept. And then I think just in the last couple of years, I want to say within the last maybe 10 years, he's given all the jewelry to um, his oldest daughter, his daughter. Tiffany. Tiffany has, yeah. She okay. kept all the jewelry that her mom used to have. Okay. What has, uh, like, uh, as you've already stated, you've not spoken to Edison since the disappearance happened at 19 years ago, but what has he done with his life over the last 19 years? Um, nothing really. He's been unemployed for a very, very long time. So mm -hmm. as his kids grew, they were pretty much living in poverty for a really long time. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, the kids got, or the kids were raised by their aunts, his his sisters, mm -hmm. um, and I think they helped him a lot financially okay. to pay for like their home and things like mm -hmm. that. But he still um, didn't find work. He, um, I think it's just in the last maybe two years he started driving trucks again, but it's not. It's like hauling stuff from Gallup, New Mexico, to Shiprock, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. There's like a route that he drives out there. Um, but that's just a very recent job that he's picked okay. up. Okay. After after my sister left, he didn't work. 
Okay, so he would be well into his 60s now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, does he still live in the same uh, house that they did 19 years ago? Yeah, he still lives yeah. in the home that my sister bought. And wow. he actually is in another relationship and has had another child with somebody. Okay. Do you think this woman is aware of the fact that he was married to a woman who went missing? She is. Um, and I know this because on her <clears throat> Facebook page that my sisters and I have gone and looked at, um, mm -hmm. she has put information on there pertaining to all this missing and murdered information with the murdered and missing Indigenous huh. women's support. Yeah. Yeah. She posts about those things all the time. Um, mm -hmm. But, I mean, they have to know that my sister went missing in that way because mm -hmm. the children probably have said something to her about their mom as well. Sure. Okay. You um, have uh, talked about how there's all these different agencies. Uh, the FBI... Uh, state police, uh, Navajo police, sheriff's office. Um, what has it been like uh, dealing with all of these different jurisdictions? Usually, I, I, I you know, uh, competing or um, conflicting jurisdictions is not uh, an uncommon topic of the program. But I don't know if we've ever talked about four different ones. What has that been like, and and who is? actually technically responsible for Laverta's disappearance. So we've had all these different components. And so, like I mentioned, it's been a frenzy, especially in the very beginning, because there was so much conflicting information. Someone would talk to someone that wasn't even affiliated with Laverta and they'd share their thoughts, ideas. Then they would talk to a family member, and um, then they were all off doing their own thing, trying to gather information. Um, so it was crazy. It was very crazy. A lot of, um, I mean, you run into a lot of um, investigators that are just not aware of the right terminology to mm -hmm. use when they're doing these interviews. And yeah. so a lot of it were doing like victim blaming, you know, yeah. saying that my sister shouldn't have been engaging in these things, doing yeah, this, that. Right. Um, it was just, it was just a really crazy time. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we only communicate with one FBI investigator. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really the FBI that oversee the case at this point. And then more recently, we've had, um, just in this last year, another organization with the Deb Holland movement where they've opened up um, some of these cold cases because now my sister's my sister hasn't had any activity on this case or on her case. Mm, yeah. So it's, it's one of those long-term standing cold cases that um, they're still investigating and hopefully they'll mm. find something or move forward with something. Okay. All right, so the FBI is the main uh, law enforcement agency at this point. Yeah. Okay. Do you know, uh, being that we did talk about how uh, Edison had this job um, with these hunters, taking them on tours, do you know if these areas where he would take these hunters, has that ever that ever been searched, those areas? Yeah, we, um, yeah we've asked... Um, 
FBI investigators to search those areas that we suspected mm -hmm. that he was familiar with based on his hunting. Mm -hmm. And then we've also done our own searches. We've worked, we've walked areas that we felt maybe um, going off of guidance of like um, in our culture, we call them medicine men or yeah. like spiritual workers. And so mm -hmm. going off of some of that, um, we've also done that. We've, we've looked, we, I mean, we've talked to, um, I don't know what they're called. Um, they're kind of like people that that um, make spiritual connections. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we really don't talk about psychics on the program. <laughs> uh, not once again, not in the way to get it in, in the way of anybody's yeah. personal beliefs. Uh, but I'm just asking, have the areas where uh, Edison knows, has those uh, areas been searched? Yes, we've conducted okay. our own searches and then searches that the FBI have done. Okay. And um, did he continue to do that type of, I guess it's work, I, I'm guessing he was getting paid, maybe he was just doing it for fun. Uh, did he continue to do that work after Laverta went missing? I don't know, honestly. I want to okay. say yes. I mean, um, there may have been a couple more times he did it, but I really, I can't be for sure. Okay. Conceivably, uh, given what we know about these different locations, where they, uh, of course, where they live, where they went to dinner that uh, evening, the phone call from this gas station, the fairgrounds, would Edison have been able to drive to that area uh, where he would take uh, these hunters for these uh, excursions and then make it back home that morning for when his children got up? Is yeah, that, most is, of the areas... Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, please. Most of the areas are like within, um, they're within drivable ranges, like within an mm -hmm. hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. um, very mountainous, very forest covered, mm -hmm. like tree covered areas, very isolated areas where he took these people. So, okay. um, yeah, he would definitely be able to make that drive. Okay. In an hour, hour and a half. All right, um, maybe for the help of myself and the listeners, what would be some of those, uh, if you know, uh, some of the names of those areas where he would take uh, these hunters? So I, if I can look on a map, if there's a name of a hill or a mountain or a campground or, or something, do you know something? Well, she, she lived in Navajo, New Mexico, so the, the mountainous areas behind her home were called mm. the Crystal Mountains. Yeah. And then we, we also have the Wheatfield Mountains. So mm. it's that whole range. Um, when you look on a map, it's going to okay. be very mountainous area out uh, in the back, out that way. All right, and that's where he would take these hunters? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right, now that uh, I'm going to do a map uh, to show everybody uh, these locations, and it will be on the Unfound podcast channel. In fact, by the time uh, everybody hears our voices for this episode, which will come out... Uh, September 17th of 2021, uh, that video will have already been posted, so everybody can go look at that uh, video that I will make. Um, of course, it's been 19 years. We know what Edison has told, at least told his children at the time that their mother deserted them. Um, what do those children think now in 2021? If, if you know, if you've spoken to some of them, what do you know? Um, do they suspect something different now they do and i know that um i know that you've you've shared with me that on your program we're not able to 
discuss the 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 hypotheticals. Yeah, we don't want to do that. All, all, yeah, we we don't want to really get into that. That gets into uh, shady legal territory. I'm just asking you if uh, in 2002 we know that. Uh, Edison told his children that their mother deserted them, and as you have already stated in this interview, that uh, they grew up believing that. Do they believe that now in 2021? No, they do not. Okay. Uh, what kind of um, communication do you have with them? Uh, you know, uh, once again, being raised thinking that their mother uh, deserted them, I'm guessing would not paint the rest of your family, including yourself, in the in the, the best light. But do you have a relationship with them now? Do you talk to them? Do you get together with them for or, or what? Yeah, I do. I get to see um, my nieces and nephews at this point. Um, mm -hmm. I have regular visits with their oldest daughter, Tiffany. Um, mm -hmm. I also get to see her younger brother, Nicholas, often. Because Tiffany and Nicholas live together. And then their son, David, also I get to see... Um, not as often as Tiffany and Nicholas, but David now has two children of his own, wow. so I get to see Laverta's grandchildren all the time. Okay. Well, that's very nice, especially considering the situation and, and what these uh, kids were told, that it very well easily could have been that they, you know, held a grudge forever. It's very possible. It's come up in other... Uh, disappearances that I've I've covered, so it's good that um, all of you uh, finally got back uh, together in in touch with each other. They do hold a grudge, but it is mm. not toward not my toward Laverta. Yeah, not toward Laverta no. or your family. Okay, uh, how has this affected your family? Obviously, you and your sister uh, Laverta very close. You have other siblings. Um, uh, your parents. Uh, were alive at the time. Are they alive now? Have they um, passed away in the meantime, in the last 19 years? How has this affected all of you? Hold on just a minute. Go ahead. Totally understandable. So, um, my family, my own family, was really uh, torn apart after she disappeared, um, we had our own challenges amongst siblings, you know, um, some of my older siblings fell into all that conspiracy or belief mm -hmm. about, you know, her should, her not living her life the best and yeah. kind of victim blaming. And so, um, mm -hmm. it kind of tore my family apart. We really all stopped talking, stopped visiting. We really didn't, um, come together as a family mm -hmm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. Has uh, everything got sewn back up together these years later, or would you say there are still uh, cracks? No, I think her family has um, been on the right path for healing in the last couple of years, so mm -hmm. it's gotten so much better. Um, we're able to come together much better now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you, uh, how often when you get together, uh, how often does uh, 
Laverta's name come up, and I don't mean the context of talking about the investigation continue that continues, but just about her, you know, things, you know, going back to the 1990s, 1980s. How often does her name come up? All the time. We still talk about her. We still remember her. We share stories about her all the time. Do you have a, a Facebook page, website, uh, anything like that set up for uh, Laverta? Of course, she disappeared before, for example, uh, Facebook even got started. Sometimes the missing people still have their pages up. That's you know something that's uh, still to this day I do this for a living. It's very uh, weird to see it. But um, do you have anything like that set up for Laverta? We don't have a, um, a Facebook page specifically for that. I mean, mm -hmm. we, um, I do a lot of different interviews. I do a lot of different mm -hmm. storytelling with different organizations to keep her information out there and her name okay. going. Um, we do get a lot of support from Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Coalition programs. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a serious problem. It's a serious problem. A lot it's of, huge out here it, on the it, reservations. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I, um, as listeners know, I usually post two websites and, and, and articles regarding missing people. And um, we'll certainly, certainly with coverage of Laverta's disappearance, um, be giving more attention to um, Native Americans and indigenous peoples who have um, gone missing, especially women. We've also covered some disappearances in Canada where they have the same problem. Um, so I'll be sure to be linking uh, to those. Uh, I appreciate that. You're, you're very welcome. Valina, any final words before we complete this interview? No, I really don't have um, anything other then you know we're still looking and we're still hopeful mm -hmm. that we're going to have closure um we got to have faith that the police the fbi are going to do what they do i mean this is their specialty and hopefully we're going to have some um justice for my sister yeah. when you look at all the components of this story i know that it's really um to a lot of people when you tell my sister's story it's really cut and clear what probably yeah. happened. Mm -hmm. So I really hope that moving forward that um, they're going to find the evidence that they need to to bring justice to this case. Okay. Well, uh, until that happens, Valina, you know uh, I keep in contact with uh, most of the guests who have been on the program. I'm always here as a resource. You know, something's going on. Uh, you want a, a, an objective opinion on it. Of course, you can call me anytime. Anything that's going on, let me know. I'll try to give you my, my best advice. Of course, if I run into, any, into anything, somebody contacts me about Laverta's disappearance, I will send the information uh, directly to you. And Absolutely. I'll support you uh, until Laverta is found. Well, thank you so uh, much. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and mm -hmm. all your efforts. We really do appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome, and I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my September 11th, 2021 interview with Valina Guy, sister of Laverta Sorrell. I thank her for joining me 
and all of you on this episode. As was stated in the interview, I made a video detailing the locations mentioned. Please check it out at the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube. At the beginning of this episode, I read off just a few of the many statistics regarding violence against Native American women in the United States. Now that you know what those numbers are, and now that you've heard about Laverta's disappearance, what can be learned? How do we make sense of all of this? And what can be done about it? Looking at the disappearances Unfound has covered, what I see mainly is that none of these indigenous people's disappearances, whether in the U.S. or Canada, are any different from any other races or cultures' disappearances, white, black, Hispanic, or any other. Lavertis' case is very much like Angela Green's, and she was Asian. Austin Pivo's is very much like Dominic Holly Grisham's, and he was black. Immaculate Basil's is very much like Lola Catherine Fry's, and she was white. What I'm saying is Laverta's disappearance is not uniquely Native American. In fact, it's not unique at all. It's one of the most common scenarios that exists for disappearances. So what I'm saying, in my opinion, is there is nothing within the Native American culture that I can see that is causing some unique kinds of crimes or disappearances to occur. In a way, I guess we must just assess these types of cases as being directly connected to human nature, no matter the race, culture, belief system, or anything else. Instead, the big difference, it seems, is the frequency. The Laverta Sorrells of the Native American community have a much higher chance of disappearing than the Angela Greens of some other community. It's the same with the Austin Pivos and the Immaculate Basils. Why is this? I think the answer can be found in some statistics I've mentioned before, on the YouTube live show, the Patreon blog, and during these Friday episodes. What do I mean? I've said and written many times that there are factual reasons to believe that many disappearances are murders. However, Despite the murder rate in the U.S. coming down significantly over the last 50 years, the missing persons rate has not come down that much. In fact, it's about the same. How can that be? Well, my theory is that this is due to more and more disappearances being connected to drugs, suicide, and mental illness than 50 years ago. Why? Because the number of people in the general population suffering from these problems has greatly increased since 50 years ago. Not to mention, for example, we talk a lot about mental illness on Unfound. Something I don't think I could have ever predicted five years ago when I started this program. Meaning, the size of the disappearance pie hasn't changed over the last 50 years. Only the size of the pieces signifying the causes. So as the piece for murder has gotten smaller due to murders being down overall, 
the pieces for the other possible causes, drugs, etc., have gotten bigger. I can't help but think this is what is happening in the Native American community. And I think there is evidence of this. The suicide rate in that culture is much higher than in the general population. The addiction rate is much higher. Drug use is much higher. Alcoholism is a lot higher. All of this can only lead to more violence. In fact, as I write this, maybe comparing the Native American violence against women stats to the general population is not the proper way to go about this. Maybe their stats should be compared to towns, cities, and populations that have similar demographics concerning income, marriage and divorce rate, education, unemployment, etc. If done, I think you would find that the Native American stats aren't much different than people of other races and cultures in the same social class or strata. What can be done about this? I don't know. We in the non-Native American population have tried throwing trillions of dollars at problems. And although our violence rates are lower... I'm not sure we are in a position of authority on the topic. So Native Americans should not take any advice from us. The only advice I feel comfortable giving is on Laverta's disappearance. And that is that relationships are the number one cause of disappearances. Not walking off or suicide or drug overdoses or mental health. And I defy you to say otherwise. I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Densel, and you've been listening to Unfound.